Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, Soylent Green. Go. In the year 2022, Sunday is roast dinner, Monday is taco night, and Tuesday is Soylent Green Day. Did you get your Sunday beef? I haven't yet, but I want to go get it. Yeah, you've seen the place, huh? <laughs> I also went on about it loads in my Monster Hunter podcast. Oh, did you? Okay. <laughs> we also record on Sundays, and we always say there's beef between someone. So. <laughs> uh, it's just, it just seems to be a standard beef bowl place, which is a bit disappointing. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it, 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 I'm definitely going to go and get my Sunday beef at some point, though. Five seconds in, and we've gotten way too far, le- far up our own arses, but that is a restaurant in Nagano where we work. That's not... Got- Big letters in the window that say Sunday beef. I know, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be the Mexican place, though. Uh, is that where there was a Mexican place? There was a Mexican place there, which is very rare. I think that was before me. It might have been. But we, there's a you. pretty good Spanish place um, still in Nagano. No, I know that one too. And that one, it has some, like, you know, empanadas. Do you know a good Soylent Green place in Nagano? No, I was meant to order some Soylent for this podcast, but I forgot. <laughs> what is that? It's, right, it's just like a like food supplement, right? Oh, okay. That you order as a powder and drink it. Ah, but sh- like, they always advertise these things as like it's going to be the solution to world hunger. But they never actually give it to hungry people, they just sell it to tech bros. <laughs> like... Okay, um, yes, today's film is Soylent Green. Uh, there could be spoilers on this film. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just like the one. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you don't know this, does anyone not know the spoilers? If there's a, I mean, we presumably younger have people. some younger listeners, right? If you don't know what the film Soylent Green is, it's on, like, archive.com. <laughs> go on, like, turn off this podcast and go watch it now, because I envy you being able to watch this film not knowing what's coming. Because <laughs> it's a pretty cool... It, the whole film, basically, is just built into this one twist, right? Yes. And, yeah, it, it, it works really well, I think. And that was from someone who did know it was coming. I still feel like I'm, like, kind of, like, holding myself from screaming out the spoiler, even though... And, it's, uh, of course, we have to scream it out. I, I, well, I, maybe well, yeah, I, we can wait until after the summer. Yeah, Because right? I, I do think there's probably... Somebody. For, so it's film's, a, like, almost 50 years old. Yeah, so. but it's a film we've certainly known about. Did The Simpsons really put it in the, uh, in the zeitgeist? I feel like I know about it before The Simpsons. Okay. But then we, I had a dad who liked to watch 70 sci-fi films, right? That's why I'm here right now. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. But I, I, maybe The Simpsons kind of nailed it down because it was kind. It, it was in the silent running bin, I think, before. Yeah. Maybe The Simpsons got into the uh, general pop culture reference bin. Yeah, it's not like huge as a film on its own, but... I don't it think exists. it's one a lot of people have watched, but the point is, I I, um, I probably saw it first around the year two thousand, I think, because um, 
uh, it was new on DVD, and I was like, wow, it was still cool to have a, you know, old school 70s sci-fi pop out on DVD in 2000, so. Yep. Because usually you just got stuck with, like, copies of The Mummy and stuff. <laughs> like the Brendan Fraser one. <laughs> I was watching it this morning, thinking I hadn't seen it, and when we got to the final scenes, I was like, oh, actually, maybe I have actually watched this. Is that you watched walking out of the train station? I was on the, just before. <laughs> uh, I was just wondering when you had your epiphany. No, I was on the train, and I was like, we we're in the final scenes. And I was like, oh, actually, I kind of recognize these sets and stuff. So. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that you called out um, Charlton Heston's uh, final West Side gang sign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the film ends, like, on a freeze frame and then a zoom in. On, for some reason, Charles Heston just holding up his hand, making a W. <laughs> it's covered in blood. Yeah, I mean, Maybe. I presume that's why they were doing it. But yeah. just he happens to have his hand at this ridiculous... Gang sign. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the real twist of the movie. That the whole time, Charlton Heston, you thought he was like a futuristic police officer, but he was really West Side. Well, that's, the, that's the reason he's trying to tear down New York, because he's West Side. Ah, okay, I got you. Uh, when did you... So, do you remember first seeing it? Because you thought this was your first viewing, but it wasn't? I mean, I, I must have watched it pretty damn young. Mm. But, I, yeah, like I said, I growing up, my dad would just put on old sci-fi sometimes, and I would watch them. I hope that bee doesn't sting us. He's a, he looks like a pretty small one. I don't think he's one of the ones that's going to fuck us up. But I don't like the one in my eye and buzzing in my ear. <laughs> I'm just trying not to make sudden moves that's going to make bees, it us. The bees, dude, it's not Wicker Man today. The newer Wicker Man. I don't think Wicker Man is sci-fi. Hmm? I don't think Wicker Man is sci-fi. Yeah, but it's I got think the with bees. today's technology, we could, we could build a Wicker Man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's build a Wicker Man. Okay. Oh, we should probably note our, our, um, our fitting... Or, well, yeah, it is fitting. Uh, Milu for recording uh, Soylent Green here today is in the in the middle of pastoral mountains, which they do allude to a lot, especially in the fact that they apparently no longer exist in the Soylent Green universe. Yeah. People are occasionally loudly cruising past us, practicing their cycling or their road skiing, which I hadn't seen before and is pretty dope. Yeah, that was, that was cool. <laughs> you just had really long rollerblades on with just a wheel at each end to fake skiing on the... Well, they're like extra long rollerblades, if you noticed. So I said really long rollerblades. Oh, you did? Okay. Idiot. Listen. I was, I was listening to that helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> he just sucker punched me, folks! He just sucked... No, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a film you saw on sat uh, Sunday afternoon beef TV and, uh, you yeah. know, and maybe you're rewatching it as we're talking about it, like like at the same time. Yeah, you probably it's don't not, do it that way. Not like a masterpiece, but it's it's good film. Well, there's this weird sweet spot of uh, Heston sci-fi, Planet of the Apes, the Omega Man, and this. Yep. For me, this is number two. Planet of the Apes gets the top spot. Oh yeah, I actually Omega. No, it was Heston until I started, and started watching it. Oh really? Okay. And I was like, but I know Heston is a cunt, right? Right. But fuck me, they don't make leading men like that anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's damn good on film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like, for me, Omega Man was the one that felt kind of lacking. Okay. Pla Planet of the Apes is, is easily the best. Yeah. But Soylent Green, for me, has been... Eh, I, I'll put that in slot number two. Yeah, I'm um, big into some apes. Yeah. Omega Man I have seen, but I couldn't tell you anything about. No, I, I would actually go with that as you should even get cheesier and watch Vincent Price's Last Man or Earth. Mm. Or in this case, actually go a little more modern and watch uh, I Am Legend with the... Um, the original cut. The original <laughs> cut, yes. <laughs> I actually haven't seen that. I'm, I'm aware that it is supposed to exist, but... Yeah, it's a great movie in the original cut and totally stupid in the uh, 
post test screening cut. So yep, <laughs> that that is one there. They should not have let the heads um, execs heads on it. Um, okay, I guess you should tell people what happens in this film. So if if somehow you haven't been spoiled on Soylent Green, why are you listening? <laughs> Too distant future overpopulation has the world on the brink of starvation. Detective Thorne is a cop in the NYPD, I guess, who investigates an assassination of an executive from the Soylent Corporation, who produces the artificial food which people eat. Um, it leads him down a rabbit hole to a priest, to a factory where he discovers that Soylent Green is people. Let's start on Charlton Heston, because this is a million percent a Charlton Heston joint. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a Charlton Heston joint. That's how they totally should have uh, marketed this one. He's uh, very human in this one. Th he's a good actor. I mean, he's always Charlton Heston, but, you know, he, he rolls with the roles. He's the old school, right? He's not living the role. He's coming in as Charlton Heston and rocking the role. Yeah, rocking but I, I guess role. just because I've seen Planet like of the Apes like a million times <laughs> and not seen much of his other stuff. I'm so used to that exact performance. You haven't seen Ben-Hur? I have, but okay. not as many times as I've seen Planet of the Apes. <laughs> okay, same here. Well, it's a long movie. Mm. Um, <laughs> The, the, Cumulatively, I've probably seen him being Ben-Hur as much as I've seen him. <laughs> they seem to have him... Uh, a spider in your hair. Oh. Really, really small one. How about now? No, nope, he's still there. He'll block it out. Okay. No, nope, he's still there. No, he's still there. Got spiders in my hair. <laughs> I just heard my, my the guy that's been cutting my hair for the past 15 years is retiring. Where am I going to get my hair cut? Just shave it like I do. Okay. <laughs> no, you, you got to grow out your afro. <laughs> Looks like it's losing the curl now, though. Yeah, he Mr. said it. He Jimmy. said there's only a, a centimeter half left to curl. So uh, we're getting back to whatever it was before. You got like a. You look like you've got a really nice perm at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I got a nice perm. That's cool. Charlton Heston did not have a nice perm, but he did have a uh, totally like um, rock in the San Francisco club sort of look. Yep. Yeah, he didn't have it too long. It wasn't quite like Logan hair or anything, but. Oh no! Like I was talking about where rocks. he was wearing like an ascot or something. Oh yeah, yeah. That they seem to be like, that's just the fashion of the year twenty twenty two because like yeah. all the little poor kids are wearing them as well. Oh yeah, I, me I meant to throw out there when you said in the not too distant future, you really meant it because uh, this film is set in twenty twenty two. Yeah, next year. But I mean, it was like fifty years in the future when the film was made. But. I know. I'm just like <laughs> shit. Maybe we should have waited a year. Yeah, uh, I guess. Oh well, but here we are talking about Soylent Green. So you got to talk about Soylent Green at some time. Yep. People need to learn. They need to know about Soylent Green. But yeah, so basically back to Charlton Heston. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he does have some like quite emotional moments and does seem like touched by things. 
Uh, he also does just like randomly beat up perps and stuff, but you know, <laughs> you're, he's playing a cop in the 70s movie. Right, who yeah. doesn't take any shit. Yeah. Tells the police chief what's up. It is weird in the year 2021 to watch a film where the hero I'm supposed to be rooting for is a cop who goes and beats a guy up on his own home because he knows he won't punch him back because he'd go to jail. <laughs> and, and then when he when he's offered Nookie from the quote-unquote furniture, he's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Which, I mean, you, you know, especially a dude in his position, it's like, why not? I mean, it makes well, sense. But it is a, it's certainly something that would not be in a movie these days. Well, the film, I had no idea the film had this, like... I knew, obviously, it was about overpopulation and a food thing. I didn't know it was also about, like, the sort of dystopia where all the women are basically just sex slaves. Yeah. Well, in the expensive places, at least. But those are the only female characters we see, apart from, like, some children. And people sleeping in staircases. Again, the extras, right? They're not characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a whole odd, like, part I didn't really know about and don't know how, like prepared I am to discuss, but I guess we'll have to at some point. But yeah, there's certainly things about the thorn that would not be okay in a modern movie. <laughs> well, that they would you could still do things like that in a movie but it would be the sort of movie where, oh, this guy, you're not meant to think this guy's 100% the hero. Right, and then he'd, you know, there'd be like existential dread and, you know, yeah. all Whereas that I sort don't of thing. feel like in, when this film was made it's meant to be like, oh, what a dark edgy character, what side of, is he on? Like, no, he is the good guy of this film. He's just a bit of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Who, oh, we, Edward G. Robinson, of course. Uh, his last film. It was his last film. He actually pretty much was dying, so... Yeah, um, and that's that really this. touching death scene. So. Yeah, as I was say, that, I, I, you know, think of this movie what you will, but I do think that's one of the... A pretty notable scene of film history... Mm. Um, are you trying to find his career? I was going to make sure I had all the other actors up. Oh, right, okay. It was, it was about uh, Little Caesar, I guess, was his big break-in. Have you seen, have you been through the 30s gangster films? No, I've only just started watching gangster films at all. Okay, those are good fun. Um, I, I will say I, I think I'm more of a Cagney guy, but, um, yeah, Robinson, of course, is, you know, class act, right? It's like, yeah. you know, Lugosi and, um, oh, now I'm losing it, Boris... I can, I can only remember... Karloff, you mean? Yes, thank you. You know, <laughs> you don't yeah. have to be like Lugosi and just start screaming, fuck Karloff, you can enjoy both of them. So, <laughs> you can enjoy Cagney and Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I wasn't quite sure what the relationship was meant to be between those two characters, other than just, like, their roommates. Yeah. One of them does the street work and one that of them That was a the... little weird. It's, I, I, I guess this is like, like, Robinson was his man in the chair, but yeah. it's like... 15 years after that was an actual functional thing. But then also he's like, they just had a nice relationship where they lived together and liked each other. Right, right, right. So at first I assumed he was meant to actually be his dad or something. <laughs> but I don't think that was the case. Then the dinner scene, that's pretty pretty wild where they're, you know, they're having their bit of beef. Well, and just like a green leaf is like the most exciting thing as well. Yeah, yeah. I but I, I get that because I often will go for a lazy period where I eat nothing but junk food for a while. And at the end of that, just having, like, some fresh fruit and a salad feels really fucking good. No, I think I was actually eating a salad while watching a scene, so I, I felt like a bit of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had just eaten, like, some kombini shit, so I'd basically just eaten my Soylent Red, Yellow, and Green. <laughs> <laughs> and green. You didn't forget the green. That's important. Okay. Uh, it seems you're on a list. Um... we got Lee Taylor Young, who was show. And... Um, I mean, as a character, she didn't have a huge amount to do. 
she's just there to represent like how women are treated in this world essentially and to give Charlton Heston some nookie in the middle there yeah 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 um, but she was like good enough and very very pretty which I think is what they were selecting them for back in yes. the, these films from eight. although I, I will say they, they did when we did you know Logan's run um Jenny Aguilar, I it might be saying her name wrong, but she she seemed a little more spunky, I guess. But she also like got to she was like a much more active role in the film. True, I mean that's true too, but uh, that's why I feel like it's worth making a contrast. Right. Yeah. In, in that case as well, because Logan's Run was two or three years later, I think. So. But you know, had this actor been given that role, she might have come across more that way. Correct. She's a very passive, submissive role in this film. Yes. I mean, when you're called The Furniture. Yeah. <laughs> you got Chuck Connors, that who was the um, security guard slash bad guy. Yeah. Um, he looked a bit too much like Charlton Heston. <laughs> so early in the film, I couldn't figure out who was who in some scenes. <laughs> they should have had, like, an evil twin thing going on, like he's a clone of Heston. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I don't think they realized in those days that it was bad to have two very similar blonde men as your, like, main two roles. <laughs> no, he doesn't have Heston teeth. No, well, once I figured, realized it was Heston, obviously I could tell who Heston was. <laughs> Heston teeth. That, that, they should, that's a thing, isn't it, right? He's a little bit... It's kind of like a horse smiling at you. It's like a horse growling at you. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't really think smile when I think Charlton Heston. <laughs> oh, but when he does smile, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he's the thug. Um, his, I did think, yeah, they have Heston straight up bitch slapping his furniture. That was kind of intense. Yeah. You know, this is when your leading man could punch a woman in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, this is a, there is punching your woman. Like she's just there. I mean, I, you know, she's eating jam. Is that her crime? I guess. Well, she just tried to pull him off her boyfriend who he was beating up. So. <laughs> well, the first scene she's in, she's just yeah. eating jam. Her crime is the, the well, eating I, I, of strawberry the jam. The problem is that she knows that if he finds the jam, he'll know that they have more money than they should. Right, right. No, I get it. I'm just like, uh, yeah. yeah. She's just hanging around. I mean, that yeah. doesn't deserve a, a Heston Haymaker, does it? Paula Kelly being that actor and Martha being the character. <laughs> Someone got curious in us sitting in a gravel pit in the countryside. Now they're, what are they doing? Turning around? Yes, sir. Mm. Hope we don't have to interact. We're interacting with you. No, no, you're listening to us, dear listener. We're not interacting, are we? <laughs> you can interact if you send us if you send us your, your mail. You got Joseph Cotton playing William R. Simonson. Oh, crap. Yeah, Joseph Cotton's another, like, major player. He's um, he's in Citizen Kane, right? He's the reporter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I for, I didn't even recognize... And, like, now that you mentioned, like, yeah, I knew he was in this, but watching it last night or a few nights ago, it didn't really... It didn't really hit into my brain. Well, this is one of those ones where I'm looking through the cast list and their photo on IMDb is all from, like, 60 years before this film was made, so none of them are recognizable. Yeah. Like, uh, he was born in 1905, so... Wow. <laughs> and, uh, again, he's he's the uh, assassin is he? Yeah, he's the, yeah, the guy Yeah, he okay, okay, the guy that bumped, eats it. whacked. I mean, lots of people eat in this movie, but... And then get eaten. Mm. Eat it, then get eaten. That's cool. Eat or be eaten. You got Chief Hatcher. That should have been the tagline for this film. Eat or be eaten. Um, one thing I will say about this film being from when it is, has a surprising number of black cast members. True. And they're not playing like, you know, quote, quote unquote, black roles. No, it's just the police chief, the police chief. 
the priest is the priest, yeah. one of the women is black, and yeah. it's, yeah. And not. she gets punched in the face, <laughs> which maybe that's not so great, but... <laughs> right, but that none of them are played particularly as a... It feels like they just cast the actors for the roles, which yeah. I really like. New York's a melting pot, right? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that was the case when they were making um, When Worlds Collide, and it was not reflected in the film. <laughs> <laughs> get on about characters or we could just get about get on about the, the situation the characters I guess are mostly archetypes like you said there's there's a little more human in Heston than usual but um, mostly it's just people serving to move the story forward yeah I think mean, everyone around Heston is just there to play a role you know either for him to react emotionally to or for him to be led on his chase with again uh, Robinson and what's what's the character's name again Saul. Saul, yeah. Like, um, him being the guy that remembers a past world. I guess that's kind of notable. Yeah, that's nice to have in a dystopia like this. I feel like a lot of them don't do that. Well, Logan's run had the dude in the capital, but he's not living in modern society. He's just yeah. in the ruins of the capital, so he doesn't know what's happening now. Whereas, yeah, yeah. you know, Saul is one, he's not nuts, and he, uh, <laughs> he uh, gets both worlds and what has happened and all of that, so... Yeah, but he, it means that he adds some pathos to this world, right? Right. A lot of dystopias, they're like, they're pretty grim, but the characters don't really know any different. Right. Which well, is... even there's the scene when, when in his death scene, um, Heston sees the, like, as he's watching these all these videos of what the world used to be. And he's like, see, I told you. And, and then Thorne, Charlie Heston character, is like, how could I know? How could I ever have known? I guess they didn't have a TV. Well, I mean, people just, they probably just didn't want to show people this. Yeah. Because <laughs> they definitely have a TV because they watch it at the start of the film. Oh, right, right. Good point. That, yeah, I sh that was a weird start to the film. Almost like it's a documentary. Well, it, it was showing um, the population rise. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, and then, yeah. You know, it was just an interesting way to do it. It's a, you know, like I do all the educational films and it had a very, like, educational film feel for the like first couple minutes. Because of the hell of stock footage. Because of the hell of stock footage. Done in a very interesting way, I guess, yeah, but was, also a very nice 70s, a very yeah. 70s way. But, um, and then, yeah, they briefly show you the TV news just to set up that this character is the governor and it's going to be part of the investigation is him discovering that this guy knows the governor. Right, right, right. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, do we know how many things might be, you know, screwed since 1972? Maybe we don't know. Mm -hmm. um, there was, a, it was not a great TV show, but it was the, uh, it was the one after the Kennedy assassination day with uh, James Franco, right? Okay. The, the, where he travels back in time in an attempt to stop these. Oh, it's based on a um, Stephen King. Stephen King novel, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just called, it's called whatever the date was. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they just keep pushing the fact in that movie that the food's so much better in 1963. I know that there are like there are some fruits and stuff that we've just lost. Bananas, apparently, you've never had a good banana. Yeah, I, I don't know how true this is, but the the thing I've heard is the reason banana flavor doesn't taste that much like bananas. It's because bananas used to be more flavorful like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Because we have banana candy, nothing like that. So there's some, there's a point. Yeah, like you know, if we were to step back into '63, although living in Japan, we get pretty good food. Is um, this, is it like the food here? Well, yeah, it's like with sushi, right? Um, like I think of myself as I don't like fish, 
but when I've had like real fresh sushi, like caught that day, it is fucking good. <laughs> fresh food is good. <laughs> right. But we just we a lot of people, a lot of us just don't really get much chance to eat it these days. I mean, there's so many. Like, let's let's look at the. Uh, I'm not ancient, but uh, you know, 120, 130 year old like world fairs like Paris mm. and Chicago, St. Louis. What was happening there? Apparently, they built like entire cities of Greco-Roman architecture. You know, like even today, as extravagant uh, like attractions. Obviously, you know, not having like super tech, but you know, having in just construction things that were nuts. And like, oh, we did it on two years. <laughs> what was happening there? Uh, they did not care if people died building it. <laughs> <laughs> that might be part of it, but like um, currently the World Cup stadium's being built for next year's Soccer World Cup, which is going to be in Qatar, and like 6,000 people have died because they're using loads of slave labor in like the 40 degree heat you get in nighttime in Qatar. <laughs> so, like, that's how shit used to get built, was a human cost. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, that's the thing where like, if there were lost technologies that even 100 years ago to make things like that easier, and somehow they just got like, you know, lost. Um, you know, we, think, we straight up are sitting here in the future not knowing about them. I think we could... I don't think any technology or knowledge has been lost in that sort of time frame. But I, you think about something like the pyramids, then, yeah, we've lost... We still don't quite know what they did there. Well, okay, Apollo, if, if we were to go do that now, no one's alive to really make that happen again. Yeah, but... You'd have to do it a diff completely different way. You'd have oh, to figure certain. it all out again. But I think we could. It's just mm. we wouldn't put the money into it. Okay, that's a, yeah. Don't have the, the Soviets to, you know, flash yeah. your, your wonker around. So you see how good the Chinese get at space and maybe America will start trying to compete with them again. <laughs> <laughs> or the private sector, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, like I said, America. Soil and green, yeah, soil and green <laughs> seems to be a pretty corporate world as well because the food supply is completely controlled by the soil and corporation which, which interestingly we never really see the we only get brief glimpses of the top level baddies in this film and we never see them get any comeuppance no no they're they're behind you know like obviously walls like and walls of thorn has discovered the truth and passed it on to his chief and maybe his chief will do something with it but we don't see anything happen well, he's screaming at the end and you're like in the movie it's like oh he's breaking out the news right mm. but especially you know uh, here in a 20, raving like, dying lunatic screaming in a church yeah like no one anyone. that message is not coming through folks <laughs> you know <laughs> no one in that church is like oh we need to like like what are they what are they gonna do about it you know i mean i saw a criticism i think this was from like the ebert review or something of like how have the the, just the population not figured it out by now <laughs> like where is the uprising that should have happened why are they all waiting for both the charlton heston to come and save them but what about all the stuff in our food i mean they the, you know the the um starts with an a the the fake sugar stuff which is clearly terrible for you oh well, yeah that all the glyphosate and that they use in uh you know like uh fertilizer or whatever uh, insect repellent you know ddt used to be good for you you know or even without being as specific as talking about food like just the world we live in comes at a very high cost in blood yeah but we choose not to acknowledge any of that <laughs> like everyone fucking knows on like a psychological level but emotionally we choose not to know right yeah, yeah. So that's that. 
is the perfect contrast to the Ebert review. Like, on a certain level, people probably do know, you know? Yeah. Because what they're being told is plankton. Okay, so now there's the new green. I mean, there's going to be a while there where no one notices. Mm. That's where this movie takes place. Yep. <laughs> I mean, maybe, within... maybe they're like convincing themselves, oh no, maybe the human bodies are being used as part of the fertilizer. <laughs> Let's go with that. You know, like, it's gross, but that's kind of already happening, right? Yeah, so you're Your in body the... breaks down, it makes the plants, the plants make your food. <laughs> you're in the church, you, you just heard Teston screaming that, and you're like, that was weird. Then a few months later, you hear something else. Oh, that kind of fits with that crazy guy. It takes you a few years to piece it together. By that time, there's no revolution. You've just pieced it together, and that's when everyone knows, right? Yeah, and everyone's eating it, and your economy is built on it, and you would all starve if you stopped eating well, it. Well, shit, I'm eating people. That was one thing, uh, Snowpiercer, it didn't hit me so hard when it's discovered that, uh, you know, oh, shit, they're just grinding up the insects. I'm like, one, and we're getting pretty close to that already. Yeah. And two, oh, shit, Soiling Green was made out of people. Yeah, that, um, I haven't even seen Snowpiercer, but... Rob, our colleague, is just like, yeah, it's like they tried to do Soylent Green, but just did it way worse. <laughs> <laughs> What's worse, people or bugs? People. Bugs, protein. Yeah, that's my point. Like, they're already called. Oh, I thought you were saying, you're saying Snowpiercer is way worse. Yeah, oh, yeah, worse is in not as good a film. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that one at some point. <laughs> yeah, I want to see Chris Pratt on a big train. Oh, Chris Pine, sorry. What about the police chief who who's just... He, uh, he realizes stuff, but once, you know, corporate comes in, he's just like, okay. Line I really liked is Charlton Heston said, who bought you? He said, we were all bought as soon as we took the paycheck. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th there's some proto-Robocop vibes in here, you know? Well, I mean, it's like, just like Robocop, it's very accurate to say the main purpose of the police is to protect corporate interest. Right. <laughs> That's what the police are for, they're to protect the status quo. Well, the whole proto, I th think this is one of the first films to really push that, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, up to the, up to the mid-60s, at least, the police were always the good guys, so... Like, they were, but they were, like, you watch, like, Dirty Harry. Well, they were the... Sh that's He's early the 70s hero, again, though. But, that's about like, this time, right? Yeah. I'm talking, like, five, you know, mid-60s, up to okay. that point. I guess so. I'm not actually that familiar with many films from that period. <laughs> I suppose we're flipping our own script a bit. We already did some of the philosophical aspects, but uh, should we look a little more at the, the design of this film, which mostly is 70s, you know, cop plot boiler uh, design, I guess. Yeah, she's even playing like an asteroids machine. Oh, no, no, oh. No, no, it's like, is it Space War? Yes. It's one of the real early ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's space War. What's the Space War? It, yeah, it was, it, you, you, Asteroids is like hi-fi, but I think this might be the first actual video game in a film. It's probably very early, yeah. Yeah. Um, I know one of the Bonds had one pretty early as well. But right. Yeah, it, it does that thing this. which a lot of sci-fi does, which I'm not the biggest fan of, um, where it's like, we've got this one sci-fi idea, so we're setting it in the future, but everything else is just going to be the same as it is when we made the film. Yeah, they were five years ahead of their time. Yeah. Here comes a large industrial sort of thing. A tractor with a dumpster. Yeah, it's full of people. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that reminds me, man. Heston just keeps hitching rides, jumping in the back of garbage trucks. Not a good idea. No. Uh, that is, I think, how the villain in the movie Blood Feast goes out. It's how the shredder gets just crushed at the end of Ninja Turtles. Yeah, as well. yeah. <laughs> so that that sh should have been how this movie ended with Heston getting. Well, he was smart enough to move to a different part of the truck as soon as it started going. Like. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but just like, no, don't jump there. That's a bad call, dude. Oh well, yeah, he's even like give me a lift at one point and gets in the back of that garbage truck. Oh, this did have the shake in the riot scene. This mm. did have the shake hands with danger money shot, where the uh, oh the guy just gets crunched under that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well they have those big trucks in <laughs> whose purpose is just to scoop people up. Right? Yeah, they call them the scoops. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wild. So I mean, it is all modern looking stuff. Like but it's, it's meant to be like a seventy-two right? modern. It's not yeah. meant to be like tech has advanced very far. Yeah, it's just it's. Just, stuff they had in 72 but being used for different purposes i guess the most sci-fi setting is the uh, the suicide clinic mm. would, would we call that a clinic is clinic the right word they call it it's called like home right and people say i'm going home right yeah, right it. it's just an assisted suicide yeah that's his letter at the end i'm going home so okay. <laughs> um but that that's a nice site i guess clinic is what you'd call it yeah yeah that is the most sci-fi setting of the entire film yeah, but again, it's not doing anything we can't do. It's just we don't do it. <laughs> well, they do it. They do it with some, you know, Disneyland sort of. Uh, yeah. It had a nice vibe, I guess. If oh, I was going to go out, that's not a bad way to go. There's a ride. Uh, I think it's actually maybe in Japan now, but it's, it's definitely in Florida. And, and yeah, I think it's a Disney Sea now. It's called Soren. It's in Disneyland. It's in mm. Epcot Center. And it's um, flying various world locations. Originally, it was just California, which is kind of weird because you go to Florida and then they'd show you a film about California. And um, yeah, it's like going over fields and they'd like pump in the um, orange smell. Hell, that was probably chemicals making you like sick. But yeah. <laughs> and you're on like these little, you're sitting on a row that moves around. But you know, even there, it's, it was supposed to be pretty good tech when it came out in 99 people still like the ride mm. but you can it's pretty easy to look off the screen mm. i don't know it kind of kills the illusion <laughs> so this was like completely panoramic all the way around it soren was yeah no, up this one what up like completely 360 degree screen yeah yeah they have those but i'm just saying you can still look off off of it, it still doesn't mm. they, they just give the feeling in this movie like oh it feels completely real to him maybe because he's doped up and dying but uh yeah <laughs> that probably helps but um, I'm just thinking from my Disney experiences. I'm like, it's fun, it's cool, but it's not quite, I no. guess, what they make it is, it is in this movie. But there's the emotional impact of that to, the, in there yeah. as well. So it, I again, I, I said... I necessarily got the impression that he felt like he was there. He just, he just hadn't seen these things in years. Yeah, I already okay. said I consider that like one of the, you know, a superior fi uh, scene in film. So yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just complaining about theme park mechanics here mostly <laughs> it feels like a better scene than this film like yeah. just a <laughs> and it is a film that also uses a lot of like hey we got access to industrial locations that's future enough for us yeah because most of us don't spend time in industrial locations i mean 2009 star trek where it's like hey this brewery is the engine room now yeah. <laughs> which honestly i think was a bad decision there but whatever yeah gotta have your warp core with pulsing stuff you know even the original series figured that out yeah but uh, yeah, yeah. I, here though, yeah, the Soylent factory is pretty well used. Yeah, it works. That sequence also, we did Cloud Atlas, and in Cloud Atlas, it's suggested this sort of thing happened. In the book, it's explicit. She, um, Somni, is it Somni? I think so. She yeah. almost gets the same tour in the book that Charlton mm. has. Well, he, she has a guide uh, that that 
you know, that that dude in Cloud Atlas is guide, giving her the guided tour. There were yeah. Heston. But Heston just happens to um, follow the guided tour. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, he was pretty lucky to follow the Well, he was deliberately following the bodies. Yeah, so true. Makes sense. Yeah, so the bodies were giving him the tour. Yeah. Okay, there we go. <laughs> um... I don't know. What do, you, what, what do you think's the best industrial setting for a sci-fi? Uh, RoboCop certainly makes use of that as well. Oh yeah, RoboCop looks great. Uh, like, like um, Terminator Two, going to that like smelting metal pool, but that's meant to be modern day. It's not using right, it to right. Be sci-fi, that's right? clearly an industrial site. Whereas, um, yeah. I mean, RoboCop, I guess, is too, but it's supposed to be the future weird dystopian version. So. Mm. Whereas, uh, and, and this is still an industrial plant, so it makes sense. I guess Star Trek was the one that uh, uh, made a little faux pas by calling it an engine room. Mm. <laughs> Just makes me want to try their craft beer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, not after Scotty's been swimming around in it. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> I think he pissed in there. Almost certainly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any other... Simon Pegg's mag? Well, we got our video games. We got our... <laughs> It's <laughs> thrown off with that one, I think. Because uh, I'm thinking, yeah. It's just I hadn't thought about the word smegma for years. <laughs> but it used to be a running joke, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we got the industry, we got the early video games, which, oh, her reaction to the video game is fantastic. Yeah. Especially in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She should be ready player wanting it, man. You bought me a Pong machine. I want to give you a blowjob now. <laughs> Tech, well, it is her job, I guess, too. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Heston's style. We don't get much in the way of, like, 70s sci-fi fashion. No, like I said, They're Heston's just dressed as, like, clothes, a, yeah. a, you know, a flamboyant the jungle cruise actor. most we get of that is at the clinic, right? We get some, like, robes and shit. Oh, that's, oh yeah, that's something I wanted to get, how ritualized that is, you know? Because mm. there's so many things that we do ritualize of that. Here it's made to look weird, but... I think, I think we would ritualize something like that. We do? Yeah. I mean, I don't know, we've never, like, committed assisted suicide, but... <laughs> I feel like well, that would be very but, uh, Well, I went through my hospital trips where it's always like, oh, name and birthday, and, mm. you know, I would should just make sure they're, you know, it's the right stuff, right, all that sort of thing, but, uh... Just, you know, everything in those procedures were even more so in America because they make you change into the, or I think in the UK too, because they, they make you change into the robes and stuff. Yeah. Well, I when, when I go for the health checkup here, they make me get changed yeah. into like the little pajama things. True. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a weird thing doing the whole chemo trip last year. It was all in my, uh, my civvies. Mm. You know, I was wearing like my t shirts and stuff the whole time. So that was kind of weird. Right, and that feels weird because you're used to the ritual. I know. Like there, I'm sure there were some dudes there that had civvies. gotten their pajamas and wore them all the time, where mm. I was basically still just going around dressed as regular because it was nice. <laughs> the but, last time I had to legit go to a hospital was when I broke my wrist. It was mm-hmm. like five years ago now. Mm. Um, but I went in a Batman onesie because my arm hurt too much to put real clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Batman, Batman needs to go to the hospital sometimes. Yep. Leave the Batman, mask on. I bet Batman is sensible enough not to go to McDonald's before the hospital like I did. <laughs> but we, we ritualize all these things, you know. Um, even going... I mean, think about when you go to a, any bureaucratic process is a ritual similar to something that would go on in a religion, you know. Hmm. In some way. Well, and just something like going to like a, a sports game, right? You put on your team's uniform, you 
sing the songs. <laughs> the, like, you know, eating a hot dog at a baseball game is a ritual. Mm. And, like, when we look, when, like, archaeologists look at something from, like, a thousand years ago and they see something very ritualistic, they assume it has some deep spiritual religious meaning. But people just like to ritualize things. Yeah, like I went to my parents' church uh, shortly before I came to Japan, which would be 2010, right? And I already hadn't been there in like three years, and it was Christmas, and I was like, was it by, I guess I was by myself. Um, and it was just so weird. You know, I'd seen the thing hundreds of times when I was a kid, but now it's just so weird. And now it's been even longer, man. If I went now, it's like, I'd, I'd be more curious just to be like, like, you know, thinking directly about all those ritualistic aspects more than like what they were trying to say. I saw a really good... I can't remember if it was on Twitter or something um, last year. Where it's like, imagine if a horror movie talked about Christianity the way they talk about foreign religions. <laughs> like, there's this cult, it's 2,000 years old. They worship these images of their leader who was nailed to a cross. They believe he'll return. They consume what they think is his flesh and blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of fucked up. <laughs> hey, that's why some people just go for the flying spaghetti monster. Yep. How much are you like into food? I'm less into food than I used to be. If uh, like they said like, here's this cube, just eat this flavorless cube once a day and you don't have to worry about food anymore. I've, now, I, I, eat, well, I, I eat a lot of curry, man. <laughs> Last night I, I had curry like Thursday, Friday night. Yesterday my wife's like, do you want ramen or curry? And I gave her a smile. Like, you know what I want? It's like the ramen. No, the curry. I want curry. I could eat curry all the time. <laughs> right, Lister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, even yeah. better. He wants the Indian curry. I'm just getting the Japanese curry most of the time. Right, but that, that suggests to me that you want to do that because you like the taste of the curry, right? Okay, I like the taste of curry, but it does, it's curry roasts and blocks, right? Oh, yeah, I know. But I mean, that's my point. It's like, so you do at least... Like, food is nice. Well, I like eating food. When I was younger and I could just like eat like an asshole and still look like, you know, yeah. fit. Um, <laughs> I, I, I remember being in Seville, Spain and basically getting lost going through the alleyways for like three hours. Well, not three hours, but probably like an hour and a half, like trying to find the perfect restaurant, you know. <laughs> I think I finally found it. And then we couldn't find the way back to the hotel. That was exciting because if you've ever been to Sevilla, Spain, it's the old town is quite convoluted. Right, because it's built before roads were a factor, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and like eating with friends, enjoying different foods, enjoying and learning a culture through its food. Like all these people who want to create the real life versions of Soylent seem to forget that food is all of these things. It's not just sustenance. No, our podcasting journey today is sort of targeted at a food destination, isn't it? So Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> that place makes damn good burgers. And even, yeah, maybe they're not the best burgers I've ever eaten. But also going to this, like, 
out of the way little ski resort restaurant in a mountain with you. That's part of the fun. Right, like, that's the set in the setting, right? So Yeah. <laughs> Which is why the only people who drink all of this Soylent shit are fucking Twitch streamer tech bros who don't understand real human interaction anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what, what is, I mean, there is a, there is a quote-unquote real Soylent, but what, what would the real Soylent be then? What, what are these tech guys eating? Or just, I guess they're suggesting or eating or what? I don't, I'm just about to look it up because I don't actually know what is in the real version of Soylent. Oh, we got tofu I, I assume it's just a soy thing, right? Yeah, tofu is sort of picking up. We put stuff on the tofu, though. We don't just sit there and eat tofu. Protein, carbohydrates, lipids, and micronutrients. Now it sounds like Logan's run again. It's just a fucking yogurt, I think. <laughs> <laughs> is Soylent made from humans? <laughs> <laughs> is it? Apparently not. Ah, oh, too bad. <laughs> the untold truth of Soylent meal replacement drinks. I don't know. If, if you eat people, do you go nuts? Is it like mad cow disease? And apparently there is, like, there are chemicals which will fuck you up if you eat too much person because you're not meant to eat Yeah, it's kind of why I'm bringing it up, yeah. Like, I felt like that's kind of a real thing, so... But I'm Soylent sure Green Soylent is, could filter that stuff out, right? They found, like, maybe that, that soup they meld them all in, you know, yeah. like, breaks down that chemical or something, so... So, obviously, I mean, we, we're, we're sitting here talking about fully, you know, modern-day... Um, you know, uh, phrases. So clearly, the concept of this movie holds up no problem. It's it's in the vernacular, you know. Well, the um the only thing this film doesn't get wrong, which a lot of people still get wrong, is like overpopulation is actually not that big of a problem. No, we can currently. If we stop fucking around, we could support the population we have. No, we could currently <laughs> fit the entire world's population um, in Texas with you know reasonable living room. Yeah. You know. Um, it, like, the reason people are starving is not because there's too many people, it's because capitalism. Yeah, because <laughs> you don't move things to the right places at the right times, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and then you, you prioritize the people in those first world countries and use all those resources to get to them. Also, I guess, because this was made shortly after the baby boom, I guess they didn't realize yet, but population does kind of level out. Yeah, um, yeah. Because like, in this population, who's having first, kids, you know? At first, it's high birth rates, low, high death rates. Then there's high birth rates, low death rates, and the population like spikes upwards. But then the, the birth rates go down because people just, you know, when you're living a healthy life and you don't need to have 10 kids so that one of them survives. Yeah, it's clear in this world, most people are probably not prioritizing having kids anymore, you right. know? So yeah, like the population wouldn't just keep going up and up. I mean, I'm sure it's pretty... Well, I, you've said that you and your wife have had the conversation, yeah, we just want one. Right. I'm pretty happy to not have kids. <laughs> like... I think that is more and more the case, right? Because people just don't... You've actually when you, not When you can be seen... satisfied and happy in life other ways. You haven't seen Idiocracy at all yet, right? No. Okay, because that starts off showing, like, kind of the redneck dude that's just, like, having, like, 18 kids and the uh, well-cultured, you know, university graduate couple where they just keep putting it off until the, the husband finally has a stroke and dies too early. <laughs> <laughs> Explaining why everyone in the future is an idiot, basically, but... Uh... Right. So. <laughs> oh, that sound. I. We'll cover this eventually, but I seem to recall that the big problem with idiocracy is it's kind of super eugenicsy and racisty. If you think about it, I guess it is on a certain level. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that at some point. It'll be interesting when we do. Yeah. <laughs> and so you you haven't seen it yet, so yeah. you don't know where we're going with this. But uh, <laughs> but that prologue, yeah, does 
smack a little. I mean, of course, it's made ironic and jokey to take the edge off, too. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's how they get you with this shit, man. <laughs> but then they kind of drop it after that. It's just like, this is why everyone's an idiot. That's our premise of the movie. Let's move on. <laughs> so maybe you could just drop that intro if you wanted. But then, then it'd be like, why is everyone an idiot, right? So, because they are. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why Idiocracy is becoming more and more of a documentary because we are realizing it's just because they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't take 500 years of you know, bad eugenics to end up there. (laughs) Um, So my point being, obviously, the concept of this movie is like fully conversational piece now, right? You can get into it. How about the movie itself? It's not, I don't feel like it's that heavily watched these days. Um, Matt, are you familiar with the concept of an incel? Uh, I'm, I'm looking at my shoe and I just heard insult, so I guess not. But I feel like I've heard the term before. So incel is short for involuntary celibate. Yeah. It's the men on the internet who've created a whole community for themselves because they're not getting laid. And that's because women actually have all the power in the world. <laughs> and they are committing human rights atrocities by letting these men go unfucked. Mm. <laughs> because it's a human right to get laid. Mm. And... Uh, so, you know, they do things like shoot up their school, shoot up their town, and they worship these guys who shot all these women. Uh, basically, it's really fucked. Right. But also, it's kind of funny when you read the shit they say. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, one of their big things is, like, the government should just give you a woman if you're not getting laid. So I wonder if these guys have been watching Soylent Green. <laughs> <laughs> Because, oh, yeah, they, they do they believe that, like, the men should run the world and the women should just be doled out to make sure you're getting your dosage of poon. Okay. At the same time, I'm like... I mean, <laughs> not the humble brag, but I just can't get that point of view. <laughs> okay, yeah. high school, Matt. Can I, but hi, that's high school. You can't... I mean, whatever. It's just... It doesn't matter in high school. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Okay, when you're at that age, you have this idea that, like... Once I ha- lose lose my virginity and have some sex, everything will change. It's mm-hmm. gonna change. Like at this point where I'm at now, like yeah, I fucking love sex, but it's just sex. Like, yeah, no, I'm just saying. Like high school is, is my only reference point for being a guy that really wants it and not getting it, right? Because right. it's just true for most people. But so even that's not quite valid. Um, See, there is like, I do understand that using the term virgin as an insult is problematic. Yes, but there's just a certain attitude of virgin right (laughs) i'm not making fun of you because you haven't got laid i'm making fun of you because you've made your whole personality the fact that you haven't got laid yeah see that's the (laughs) issue i mean i'd be cool as shit and maybe i'm a virgin and if i just i'm cool as shit and don't really bring it up then we're good because you don't tend to unless you're a dick you don't tend to directly ask people you know you got to advertise that yeah (laughs) like that's the thing. When I use the term virgin as an insult, you can be someone who's had sex and I still think you're a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like this this whole thing and this film doesn't make a big deal of the fact that part of its dystopia is this like huge sexist thing. If you're rich. Right, but like again, we don't see men we don't definitely don't see any women in positions of power. Right. And the men who are in positions of power just have like a woman as part of their furniture. They call them furniture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a, a big fucked up dystopian thing. <laughs> but this film is very, like, sort of, that's not the main theme. It brushes that off as not being the big issue. Yeah. I mean, it's also, this is based on a novel. Um, and the novel is called Make Room, Make Room. So I think The Soylent Green was just one aspect. 
of a dystopia about there being too many people. And they and just I guess laser the filmmakers were just like, oh, that Soylent Green twist is great. Let's make the film about that. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe maybe Charlton Heston just didn't understand the incel concept. Oh yeah, and it wasn't a thing yet, right? But <laughs> it just yeah, seeing that aspect of it really reminded me of like these men who are like, yeah, I have a right to get laid. Someone should give me a woman. <laughs> Shit. So you're saying it holds up in a terrible way? Well, because like the, the <laughs> film isn't pro that I don't think as part of it being a dystopia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think there are multiple aspects of this film: the ecological disaster, the turning a blind eye to terrible things being done because it's just part of the status quo. I mean, if you remade it now... huge sexism. Yeah, if you remade it now, that would obviously be a much bigger focus of the film. Yeah, I feel like I need to actually finally get around to watching or reading The Handmaid's Tale because <laughs> that's way more of that angle. Right, right. Yeah, I have not done either of those either, so... Oh, well, because we can't easily shoehorn it into this because we don't do TV shows or books. So <laughs> they haven't made it as a feature film. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I just feel like... Um, it's weird that that's not the angle that anyone talks about, but that was actually the one that probably stood out to me the most. Well, that's why I'm wondering if the film hasn't held up so well, whereas the concept has. I think the film does hold up pretty well. It, it does to a certain degree, but it, it's something that most people, they know it, but they haven't seen it. But the, the thing is the film, well, because the film is so built on that one twist, if yeah. you know the twist, but I think the film is still worth watching, even if you know. Yeah, I mean, it's got some 70s dryness to it. But it, it, it's that, mostly it's just a 70s cop film, right? Yeah. It just happens to have these vague sci-fi trappings around it. Yeah, it's more like Serpico than Logan's Run in the End, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, my biggest frame reference is just Dirty Harry. Yeah, well, yeah, you brought that up Tough already. Tough guy so. cop beats people up until he gets his answer. <laughs> Shoots a lot of dudes at the end. <laughs> at least he didn't shoot him in the dick. Unfortunately. I mean... Couple maybe of those the guys could have been shot in the dick. Yeah, okay, maybe the previous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, those were pretty whack gunfights. <laughs> like, they weren't quite choreographed, I guess. Yeah. There's also a great, like, he pushes a perfectly innocent security guard to his death down a ladder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he... Goes back to, I always say, I love it back when the bad guys used to scream when they died. Well, he's making, he's making Soylent. That makes him a bad guy. I guess, guy. yeah, he's an, a... Complicit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, I, and maybe it's just me thinking too much, but I'm like, yeah, I feel like we still haven't quite answered the how how is this film sitting now. But it's a it's a, it's a conversation piece more yeah. than a film at this point. Yeah, which I think, <laughs> like, for the most part, when you're watching seventy sci-fi films, apart from a few really great ones, that's what you're going in for, right? Yeah. And I mean, so and that, I def definitely there's a lot to talk about watching this film. I mean, some people are very into seventies dry. That's that's why people like the French Connection. Right, I can <laughs> I can do seventies dry now and then. That's why I'm glad we didn't end up making Matt and Luke's seventies sci sci-fi sanctuary. Yeah, that, a bit too much, right? Also, we'd have had a sci-fi sanctuary that can only do one Star Trek and can't do two thousand one. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, just uh, I was being a little too laser focused, but yeah, yeah. you work out your concepts. So. <laughs> um, but it's the weird thing where in podcasts being more laser focused is better. Right. <laughs> but do we want to wrap this one then? Yeah, I guess so. I want a hamburger. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I want to go eat the beast. Do the thing. Uh, you can find this podcast on Twitter at Mot. Nope. Mot. At MLSFS Pod, not Monster Mash. <laughs> We're also on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Just search Matt and Luke Sci Fi Sanctuary. And if you've enjoyed this, you want to help us keep it online you know, cover the costs, you can go to patreon.com slash podcastio podcastius. It's off to lunch then. What are we going to have again? I'm going to have a big old bite of 
real beef. Monkeys.